Hey there, you're with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. This week's guest is Carlin Fisher. Carlin is a mind sculptor and a neural optimization coach. She is a passionate speaker on the science and motivation behind the mind, and her mission is to inspire highly motivated individuals through her neuroplasticity and autonomic nervous system coaching program. These integrated tools are used to bring the intensity back into people's lives so her clients can continue to focus on their passion. Carlin has had to reprogram herself using these tools due to spending the first half of her 20s fighting an autoimmune condition. Some days she felt she was fighting with her own cells, especially within her mind. She would fluctuate from being very positive only to turn around and be very hard on herself. It wasn't until she understood how to incorporate neuroscience into her daily life that she was able to transform her experience. Sit tight. Here we go. Carlin, welcome to Disembodied Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to chatting with you. So you were an engineer, or you are an engineer, right? That's correct. So I took, in Kelowna, I took engineering school in Canada, and then I kind of pivoted into this whole mind, whole realm. Okay, so how did you, how did you transition from being an engineer to going into more neuroscientific things? I feel like the process kind of started, it's, you know, one of those behind the scenes that took place and you kind of plant little seeds over time. And then part of what happened to me during engineering is I developed an autoimmune condition. And by trying to navigate that and find remedies and kind of recalibrate myself and help nourish myself and heal my body, I found this neuroscience whole component of it. And I found it so intriguing and I realized how much it impacted my life. And how much it actually impacted the fight or flight and the way my body responded to my illness. So I was just so into it and so passionate about it that I just wanted to share it with others. So were you skeptical at first? I mean, what got you into the neuroscientific steps? Like, how did you, did somebody get you interested in it? Or did you read a book? Um, I actually took a course. So I took a course. It's called the Wellness Code Academy. But It's basically from a practitioner who had her own illness that she'd been navigating for 16 years and had, um, she was a lot more sick than I was. So it was really encouraging to do a program and hear her story and learn the foundations. So it was actually started as one of the modules. And then the first time I heard it, it was actually a little bit triggering because sometimes I feel like you think, okay, my illness, my mind there's something I'm doing and you get very self-focused, but then when you kind of start to isolate the way your mind works and it's natural ability and how you're navigating it, you can kind of take the reins back and take the control back from it. So she really sparked my interest. And then I just kept researching and self-learning from there. And what techniques are you using specifically? One of the biggest ones I think is learning to build an awareness around it is what I do most days is having awareness of my nervous system and how it's calibrated. And then I use little tools to navigate my set point. So for example, like if you wake up in the morning and by noon, you're kind of running around doing all these tasks and you know that you're kind of off, 
I will do something to reset. Or I usually have a morning routine that I religiously follow. I meditate. I do some things. I'm very conscious of my unconscious thoughts and focus on that because sometimes I think there's always something hidden that you wouldn't necessarily think of instantly. And do you have to do this throughout the day or is it just like once a day? I think it's building a framework. So for me, it's understanding the way my mind works and how it naturally wants to work and then navigating it from there. So it's some of it's learning to call myself out throughout the day. And then some of it, how I set myself up for day, the day and navigating things around you. Because for me, I think someone told me this before, and I really like it, that some of your routines and some of the things that you do that are habits can be based on the state that you're in instead of necessarily doing something every day all the time. So a lot of the times, some of the tools I utilize depending on my state, because as we know, the external world around us is always changing. And sometimes it's hard to know what you need at that time. Like if you have, for example, a lot going on at work or a lot going on with your business, you might need a few more mind tools that day. Or for example, if you are, if anyone has illness, they might need to navigate that. Or if they have anyone stressors in their family or things with their kids, I feel like certain life events kind of fluctuate what your state needs and how to calibrate yourself. And so you're helping people with this yourself now. You're um, a mind sculptor. (laughs) Are you just giving people these techniques and then they sort of take it and run? Or do you have to work with them ongoing for quite a while? I teach them the framework, like make them understand why their mind actually wants to do what it does. Then I teach them the tools that they can implement and create uh, that space for them. And then after that, they can sort of run with it a little bit on their own, but I work with them for about 12 sessions. Okay. So it's like once a month or once a week, something like that. Yeah. Once a week. And can you tell us any stories without naming names? Of course, how has it transformed people's lives? Maybe give us an example. One example that I can think about is I helped um, athletes with this. So particularly a hockey player I worked with, He is into a lot of mind stuff and a lot of enhancement, but he didn't quite know to this extent, or he'd heard people talk about flow state, but wasn't at that quite that level of captivating it himself. So I worked with him and just to hear him like check in and say like, my headspace is great. Like I've done this and this now, like I get this, I'm starting to grow this way, or he's just getting compliments from people around him saying how great he's doing. And he's kind of navigating that into his new season, but he feels like he has a framework to navigate what's ahead for him. So if anything comes at him, he's prepared. And do you help people with like kind of deeper emotional issues as well? So a lot of my clients, they kind of come because they have a goal, like they're very focused on something they really want and they want kind of a path or a framework to help optimize themselves to get there. But along that line, they might have deeper things that they didn't realize they did have. Um, So one of the modalities that I use is like an energy testing one. And some of that, it's one of my favorite things. And it's something that I really, really noticed made a difference with me. But just helping them release some like trapped emotions around events they went through is really empowering. And do you have like a certification for this now? Or do you think you've just acquired a lot of experience. So you feel like you can really help others. 
I feel like it's a bit of both. Like I've took certain courses, like you start with a yoga teacher training and then I took that wellness code and I'm working on NLP and I read a lot, a lot of different like doctor books, but some, I think sometimes it's not necessarily a course, it's your intuition. Like I think you can learn a technique and learn a skill and adapt it and make it your own. Because I think for me, what I've noticed is, yeah, I did engineering, but there was a lot of disconnect between the engineering and realizing you could apply it to other things. So I think that sometimes when you do too much systems, you get the same thing as everyone else. Whereas the way I think about it is at one point, the degree you have didn't exist and they started it small and built it from scratch and built it from there. So you told me that you had to calculate electric fields when you were in engineering school. And then when you took yoga teacher training later, you sort of started to see that the energy that we have in our chakras was similar. Can you explain that a little? Sure. So yeah, with engineering school, funny enough, I remember I was 19 and they would try to make you calculate with this electric and magnetic fields. And I was so confused because it was an abstract thing and you couldn't see it, but it was like doing math in 3D. And it was one of the highest failing course, highest courses fail rate wise in engineering. And I couldn't quite like grasp my head around it. I passed the class and made it through, but like, I didn't quite like the connection from like my left brain mind. But later on, after I went to yoga school and you kind of dabbled in the energy field, you start to notice like, they talk about your chakras and your energy systems and within these energy systems, for example, they'd say like your throat chakra hurts, like you can't communicate and you might feel it crying. And you're like, okay, my throat hurts. Like that makes sense. And for me, it was just like taking a couple little steps and accepting that it could exist. And then later I specifically remember a book I read, they talked about how there are 177 different cultures that have individually came up with the conclusion that you have a human biofield. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense from the energy work that we did in engineering because they always talked about how energy cannot be created or transferred or cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred, sorry. So when you kind of look at that and you look at the energy we see and then you kind of start to dabble more into the energy field, as I kind of opened my mind, it made sense. And one of the calculations that I had to do in school was, very much vibrations and frequency of waves and they'd show you like strings and they'd talk about these strings and how they'd eventually be vibrating at the same frequency and these things would happen and you'd have to do the math behind it and it was a little bit confusing at the time but even now I see it as okay that's the law of attraction okay so the law of attraction is something you use as well how do you use that these days I kind of see it as a couple different components because for me, I know that there is talk about like law of attraction, like you have to be just positive, like navigate that positivity. And for me, when I was in my 20s, sometimes I would be kind of negative, or then I would sometimes be like super toxic positive, like we got this, we're okay. But how I utilize it with my clients is I see it as your, your mind is designed to be programmed, whether you like it or not. But some of your old programs are replaying. And those are in your subconscious mind, which is 90 to 95% of what you operate from. So sometimes what you need to do is you need to remove an old belief or find one or find a secure belief that's keeping you stuck where you are 
and then implement a new belief and a new focus point. Because sometimes with the law of attraction, is we just think like, be positive, be positive, be positive. But sometimes there's a weight holding us back behind us that we need to navigate first to help lift us back up. And when you were suffering from an autoimmune condition, did you at times feel like you were never going to get better? I mean, how did you dismantle that idea if you had it? Funny enough, I always had a little bit of a optimism, which I'm kind of grateful for because I feel like it helped me find something else or find different modalities that weren't necessarily just the medication prescribed. But I, for some reason, I never accepted it. Like they kind of said like, yeah, this is a disease. You can have it for the rest of your life. Some people have remission, some people don't and like kind of left it at that. But I would go to natural paths or I started like doing yoga religiously to the point where I'd almost revolve my day around it because I loved it so much. And I loved the way it reset my nervous system and I loved the way I felt. And then I kind of looked for more and more things and I kind of got further and further into the wellness industry. But like you said, for me, the biggest thing, which ties into the law of attraction, but ties into how your mind and nervous system work is when I wasn't feeling good, I could not focus on not feeling good and the fear of not feeling good because that would fire up my body and I would feel worse. How did you get around that then? For me, sometimes I feel like when you were in it, you feel crappy enough that it's hard not to focus on it. But even doing like little meditations or little things or kind of breaking up your day. Sometimes what I do now actually is I have a calendar and it goes off. It's a calendar event that goes off probably like eight times a day in my phone and kind of checks in on to what I'm thinking about and what I'm focusing on from there. Because I feel like any tool that you can take away any pain in your body or you might need for my autoimmune, I needed like the nourishment and I needed to change. I changed my diet and I added new tools and like, like a very gentle modification detox system. But anything that you can do to reset your mind and kind of get it into a healing state instead of an anxiety, nervous state can really help support you on in the long run. And I know that you're kind of believing that there's an integration of science and spirituality that's possible. But I mean, do you think with neuroscience, you're just kind of fixing yourself or do you think there's anything out there on the spirit side that's assisting you I think it's a combination of both like I think that I definitely believe in the universe like I believe that everything was created for us and so one of the things that I think of with my healing which is kind of cool which I learned from the neuroscience side is basically when they talk about like you do have neurons that fire together that wire together you essentially have an electric field in your mind with your thoughts and your heart has an electrical field which they have with the science side of it but then for me that just like harnesses in the spirituality side of it and seeing like okay if this is existing here what else exists because I definitely do believe in energy fields all around us and I do believe that there's some sort of protection somewhere helping us along our journey. Do you think you're connecting with anybody like a deceased family member or anything else out there specifically? I definitely think I connect to my higher self. Like I do believe the highest version of myself exists and they're always sending you guidance and signs. I had a grandpa that passed away that I was really close to. And I do think that 
not necessarily just for illness, but I do think he watches over me. And I do think kind of there's little like moments where I definitely feel close to him. And you think there's any other higher beings or anything else? Yes, I do believe. I feel like for me, I'm kind of just stepping into that a little bit, but I do believe in past lives and that a whole other world exists that we haven't figured out yet, but I'm not exactly sure what or how quite yet definitively, but I definitely believe there's a universal energy that we can tap into that we haven't discovered yet. And some cultures probably have. So you're open-minded to it basically. Yes. And were you raised with any type of spiritual belief system or, or did you come from a more atheistic or agnostic family? I came from, we went to a Christian church when I was little, like I was baptized as a Christian. And then kind of throughout time, we kind of focused on other things. One of my dad's saying is that he likes the idea of religion, but sometimes some of the beliefs he doesn't, he doesn't know how I felt about it. So I feel like I kind of had the ability to believe whatever I wanted to. And what do your parents think of what you're doing now? (laughs) Do they like it or not like it? They think it's interesting. They definitely like the like neuroscience side my dad was. He's open to other stuff. Like he's open to Reiki and things like that. I know that some stuff he, he kind of has like the logical mind. So if you can get him to understand it, he'll see it or he sees little components of stuff and he definitely believes in something higher than us but he's not like I believe in astrology and I like things like that whereas he doesn't see it yet but I'm it's not that he's close-minded judging me for doing it (laughs) that's good actually it's always good to have an open-minded family I think because it's you know going to support you a little bit more and just understanding your own path and your path now is helping others too. So I think it's great that your family's, you know, open-minded enough to support you because you studied engineering, which is kind of a little bit of a dry analytical exercise and knowledge base. And this is a little bit different. I mean, it's kind of a swing in a different direction. So I was thinking maybe your parents were kind of sad that you are not an engineer anymore. (laughs) No, they weren't, they were on board with it. Like my dad really likes, like even the mindset stuff, he's a day trader. So he's like, okay, he he sees it and he knows it exists or he knows it exists in sports. So I feel like they're very supportive, especially in the beginning. They just wanted to make sure that through my transition that I was taken care of. Yeah, that's good. How did you transform you know, I know you kind of overcame your autoimmune condition, but how do you think you transformed spiritually when you were getting into the neuroscience stuff? Did you have any big aha moments where you're just like, ah, now I understand this or that? Was it through yoga mostly that you feel you had that or through something else? I think it was the yoga and the course I took and then just like relaying it more. But for me, I think the aha moment was when I started to realize that the energy field, like the spirituality and the science field, there's, there's definitely some overlap there. And there's definitely like certain things that are, I think are interesting because I feel like the science is kind of catching up. And especially going to yoga school in Thailand, 
I think you start to realize the knowledge that Eastern cultures have that you can integrate. But one of the things that I notice about myself, and funny enough, it is in my sign, but I'm definitely like the death and rebirth transformation. One of my, funny enough, my favorite things is that girl's dead, as in like that version of me that used to do that doesn't exist anymore. So I always like, like learning what I used to do or like learning how to better myself and keep going and going. So for me, I think a transformational moment was as I started to learn who I was, that got a lot easier because I noticed, especially in the first half of my 20s, I used to sometimes do stuff on my own because then I wouldn't be influenced by anyone else. But when we were in a group setting, I could definitely necessarily, I would kind of be who I needed to be in that space a little bit. And as I got older, I stopped doing that and being who I truly was. But one of my transformation moments, I think, was when I was 25. Um, I feel like I finally knew who I was, which was really great. And I was like, just happy to be that version of myself and felt like my health or like my, um, my mind was just like transformed. Because I wouldn't say I was a negative person and people wouldn't call me that that way either. I had the autoimmune, but people wouldn't necessarily know because I was following like the success path you were supposed to. But at age 26, what I started to notice is I started to really tap in and become who I was supposed to be in front of everyone. So it's like I shared that part of myself, whereas at 25, I would share it with my core people. But one of the things that I'm really working on this year is expressing that for everyone to see. So just being your authentic self with everybody. Yeah, exactly. So, and for me, that took a little bit of work because I definitely sometimes would adapt a little bit to my surroundings. Yeah, that's probably a pretty common thing that people do, I think. So what was it like doing the yoga teacher training in Thailand? Why did you have to go to Asia, do you think, to do this yoga training because you could do it in in the U.S. right or Canada uh yeah but for me actually funny enough like so I went backpacking and I went to 13 different countries in Europe and then I went to Thailand but for me I was like well like yoga is from eastern cultures like I'm really interested in learning and one of the things was I just graduated I was more looking for an experience and to be honest like when you pay for the yoga, you get to stay at a place and you get to do yoga for a whole month, which is exciting. And for me, I get it. They have it out West, but some of their studios are expensive, but you don't get the same. I don't think necessarily like the same value at times, because for me, I had a couple meals covered. I had a, a, a place to sleep and I got training all in the package, but in a new experience of focus, whereas sometimes they have like a 16 week course where you're still living wherever you are and you're kind of taking a couple hours off every day. So I think that if you can't get away for the month, then that makes sense. But for me, it was just like the whole new experience and I just love traveling. So that's the route I took. Do you feel that you learned any, you know, spirituality associated with the yoga or was it more just like straight yoga techniques? I definitely learned more spirituality with yoga more understanding it. I think one of the big aha moments I had was learning some of the values that they have. Like they kind of have, they call them the yamas or just certain things um, like modalities that they have 
within the yoga practice because it's a little bit derived from Buddhism, depending on the type you do. But one of the things was they tell you like certain kind of rules to live by. It wasn't necessarily religious, but certain structures, but they couldn't tell you amount the amount. And for me, it was just an aha moment because it, I feel like everything's very abstract on your path and what they tell you to do. But I was definitely one of those people that I would pick Oracle cards or I would do certain things or I was open to like Archangel Michael or things. But for me, it was always just the open mindedness to kind of take one or two steps at a time and keep going and keep going. I'm sure the culture, maybe the cultural difference was probably interesting too and maybe had an impact on you. Did you learn how to do like any deeper meditation through this experience or were you already doing a deep meditation when you went to yoga school? I definitely deepened my meditation there. Like I would do it or sometimes in Shavasana, really like at the end of your practice, like you're absorbing and taking in all the energy, but it is like a meditation in itself. So I definitely noticed components that they extended within me as well. Yeah, I would imagine that it was kind of, well, I don't know if it was a school or like a temple setting, but did you feel that it was more peaceful or could you have just as easily done this anywhere in the world? I mean, do you feel like Thailand specifically had some sort of atmosphere that was conducive to you learning the techniques more? I do. And I think it definitely had the calmness. Like, so it was right on the ocean and it was in like an open like it was on a second floor of a building and it was a studio space that had these big beautiful open windows and most of the days it was sunny but it was kind of in the rainy um, monsoon season of Thailand so it was like really breathtaking to be around and I think part of it was learning it at that pace right like it's different trying to do yoga school when you know after that hour and a half you have to like say for example rush to do errands and then pick up your kids from sports or do things like that. So for me, it was just, I got to sit there and focus solely on what I was doing and just soak everything in and just understand the modalities. And what is your spiritual practice nowadays? I know you said you meditate, but what else do you do besides that? Some of mine kind of varies depending on my day. Like if for the most part, I feel like I'm in a pretty good focused mood, but if I'm notice I'm kind of off, I'll kind of alter it there to kind of like sit with what I need and then reset from there. But a lot of times I'll, I'll wake up in the morning. I meditate first. Sometimes I'll choose a couple Oracle cards depending on um, what I need. And then I always bring crystals with me everywhere I go. And then other things that I do, I'll, journal and write out ideas that are kind of limited thoughts or limiting beliefs that are keeping me secure where I am and I'll just kind of always be asking myself like based on the law of mirrors what am I reflecting externally and what am I getting back internally and you do that like every morning then yeah so I usually will meditate and then I'll kind of vary between the other ones I also do um, like a trapped emotions like release or notice like if something kind of comes up for me I'll take time to release it and kind of take steps to recalibrate. And I also do visualizations of what I want most. So how do you compare yourself, like, let's say 10 years ago versus now, 
do you feel like you have kind of what you want in life now? Or do you feel like you're still kind of not quite there? I feel like I just tapped the surface of it. Like I almost feel like if I looked at the 16 year old self, what I want is way different. Like I believe everything's happening for me and not to me. Whereas at 16, I feel like you're very much used to reacting to the external environment around you and kind of forcing things. But right now I feel like if you like asked me what I wanted in 10 years, it would have been way different, but I'm actually more excited with what I have now than I would have thought because I wouldn't have picked the life I have now and I'm just tapping into it and I'm building it. So there's definitely a lot of room for growth and I'm not, I'm like grateful to be where I am, but I definitely haven't feel like I peaked or tapped into the full potential of what I want to do or who I want to impact or teach, but I'm excited to see who I can. So you work one-on-one with people. Do you also do group work or how does it work with, with that? So right now, yes, I'm working on a group program online that you meet once a week to kind of check in with the group and then have videos and workshops for you to kind of check in and do on your own. And I also do speaking now. So funny enough, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going back to my old engineering school and I'm teaching some of the students a little bit about this framework. And I do different workshops for different business and businesses and corporations to just kind of get them thinking about how they think so that they can navigate it and adapt to it. Oh, that's great that you do it for businesses, because I think there's a lot of, you know, employees out there that probably have a tough time getting along. And, you know, there's so many issues in workplaces sometimes. So are you enjoying that part of it? I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to kind of open people's eyes and see it. And I think sometimes with businesses, if you can go in and support them, one thing that you're doing is you're creating the whole, you're setting the bar and the standard for them. Because sometimes I think everyone's so stress focused that they don't start to work on how to like utilize their mind to offset anything or work together on something. I think sometimes you're just so focused on like your small little problem And then you can't step outside of it. Or for example, if you're stressed, but you feel like you're being stressed out by your boss, but if he gets the training too, sometimes you kind of start making more of a group effort and you can kind of form and work from there or start to have an understanding about why your mind naturally wants to do what it does. So you can kind of counteract that and plan for it and work on your peak stress time. I'm curious, what do you think people are missing nowadays, like after the pandemic and everything, you know, what do you think people are just missing? What are some easy things, easy solutions that you can see that other people don't really notice? I think that one of the biggest things that we're missing is why, like, I think sometimes, especially the younger generation says, like, I can't do that because of my anxiety or like, that triggers me or that dysregulates me or that does this. But I feel like sometimes that's limiting the world around you. And if everything you want is on the other side of that thing that stresses you out or makes you anxious. Like for me, I gave you the example of one of my focus points is really working on showing up and letting myself be seen. Because one of the things I really, really like doing is I really like helping people. I really like teaching people. I really like being of service but you have to be out there in your fullest version of yourself. And if you want to reach more people, then 
your crowd is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and you're going to get both the good sides and the bad sides. But for me, sometimes I do like a little anxiety reset around that because I know that my mind doesn't necessarily want to go into that new discomfort right away. But everything I want is on the other side of the thing that's making me anxious. So I got to keep going for it. And I think understanding that framework can really help people continue forward and kind of understanding little tools that they can reset. But I feel like their biggest asset is building an awareness and kind of setting that system and then finding little things that work for them that adapt to their lifestyle that, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be routine every day, but it can be like an awareness of when I feel this, I do this, this, or this. Or when I notice this, I start to lean into that nudge and see what I need. Do you think that younger people are more accepting of your techniques or do you think they kind of make excuses to not try it? I would be, I'm curious because, you know, it seems like a lot of older people are even pretty um, open-minded towards like Reiki and yoga and stuff. So how are you finding younger people accepting your neural optimizing? So I find some of them are really open and some of them are not, but I definitely find funny enough, the older people always say, I wish I would have had this, or I wish someone would have gave me this, or I wish this. So I find that they, it's like they get it now. I feel like they've had enough seeds planted for them that they understand why they need it. Whereas sometimes younger people are like, okay, I'm, I'm good enough, you know, but the one thing I like about the younger people is if they really, really want something then they're just game to try anything to get it. So I think it a little bit depends on that. And I think it depends on the vulnerability of it a little bit too. But there's kind of a line whereas, yeah, I think older people like realize how important it is and how much they need it, but they might be closed off a little bit more about something else, but are more open than you think. Whereas younger people, I find they might be interested in new like ideas and workshops, but also they can like think that they don't need something necessarily, which sometimes can be a block in itself. Yeah. It seems like I have met some younger people that seem to think that they need medication for different things, you know, for anxiety and stuff. How do you feel about stuff like that? I just think that like, to be honest, like my, I, where my illness was a lot of it was in my gut so I feel like I would get inflamed through my vagus nerve through my brain gut so I used to get quite anxious without thinking I was like anxiety prone and whatnot so I've never been in that situation where I felt like I had to take anything or been down that line like I've always been grateful for the other modalities I found but it does make me nervous that Right now, the younger generation, like especially after the last two years, are on the antidepressants or are on the anti-anxiety meds, but it doesn't seem like any of them have a plan to get off of them or like I have a friend that was on them, but they like they're everything they did just seems so unhealthy. Like they're like every modality that you seemed that could like rebalance them wasn't really there, wasn't really supporting them. And I actually do neurofeedback consultations and I haven't worked with too many people yet that are on medication but it's cool to see how much the neurofeedback can influence them and help support them as well but I am a little bit concerned of 
how much medication there are like for it and because we have awareness around it but I feel like you build awareness around it to get through it and keep going because we know that your mind is always always changing and restructuring itself and I don't think you want to like take away from some people and like the pain of what they've been through but also I think you want to let them know that they can explore other options besides just taking medication and I don't know how they feel but for me it just felt like when I took medication for my illness it just seemed like it was almost like masking it where I never actually felt better or you go back and like it just it didn't seem like a solution for me that was feasible it was just kind of like accept your life doing this and I just I didn't and I just couldn't accept it at that level so that's when I pushed through to something else. And if people are getting supported on them temporarily, I feel like as they reset other like lifestyle factors or figure out like why they're getting anxious. But I think there there's definitely like a whole field on neuroscience that what you focus on grows and how your nervous system responds to things that we should tap in and utilize as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And for the record, I'm not even totally against medication, but I kind of think it shouldn't be a permanent part of your life because they don't really even know what some of the drugs will do to you over time. And I think that that can't be healthy somehow. That just can't be healthy. So, you know, I think it's probably better to, you know, even if you need medication for a while, just try to get off of it at some point because there are so many techniques nowadays um, tapping, um, just some of the ones you mentioned as well, but there are just so many techniques that can really, really help people and change their situation. So I'm grateful for people like you who are out there trying to help people get over some of their issues and do it in a really constructive way that's going to help them for the rest of their lives. And once they learn these techniques, they can just keep using them. They don't have to worry about pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I can't agree with you more. And yeah, one of the things that stresses me out is in my 20s, I'm like, okay, you're my friend. And they put you on that. Like, I'm sorry, you're anxious. But if you're 20, are they just going to keep you on it till you're 80? Or what's going on? Because I know they're constantly switching them up and adapting them. And like you said, uh, thank you for the gratitude. Because yeah, I really like what I do. And I really like teaching people this. And I really like teaching them the framework because I feel like as you go outside your comfort zone and you keep growing you're going to need something because you're always always going to be changing and your mind doesn't necessarily instantly like change so change can make you anxious but it's just kind of navigating that and finding like a framework to come back to as like your security system and keep going and I'm still perfecting it on myself like I notice with me I'll get really good at mastering this area and then I'll try something very new and then I'll kind of have to reapply it to that area and keep focusing on it or sometimes you start to realize like oh that belief ties into this belief but now I'm focused on this yeah exactly um it takes a little bit of introspection which you know some people are not as used to doing but it sounds like you kind of have some process down that's really really helped you and I hope that that inspires other people to look into it as well <laughs> yeah thank you I really appreciate that and I hope so too in the show notes for this episode we can put a link to your website so people can contact you if they want to work with you 
And I thank you so much, Carlin, for coming on. I really enjoyed hearing about how you've applied this in your life. I think it's really useful. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed chatting with you and I hope we connect soon. Feel free to leave questions or comments for this episode at disembodiedpodcast.com.